Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. I recently went to the park with my cousin and her two small daughters. I can't tell you how many times I heard them say, One more time, Maggie, or this is the last time, I promise. Of course, I knew it wasn't the last time, and I knew that one more time would turn into ten more times. In fact, this exchange with my tiny playmates made me laugh. If you've ever coached, especially cheer or dance, you know when you hear the words, last time, it's the biggest lie you've ever heard. I say it, and my dancers roll their eyes, knowing good and well this is most definitely not the last time. They know they'll likely do this dance about ten more times, and that got me thinking. How many times have the words, this is the last time, been spoken without sincerity. I call my husband for the third time while he's at work to ask him a question while I'm at Lowe's, but I promise him that this is the last time, but it isn't. As you're handing back papers in your classroom, you hand little Johnny's paperback with no name on the top yet again. He promises this is the last time. It isn't. A drunk husband comes home. He yells, screams, and throws things at you in front of your two small kids. When he sobers up, he says that it's the last time, and it isn't. It seems we all make these promises, what Mary Poppins would call a pie crust promise, because it's easily made and easily broken. Some of those promises have little effect if broken. My husband knows I'll be calling him back at least one more time to make sure I'm getting what he needs to complete a project. You know Johnny won't ever remember to put his name on his paper. But nothing bad happens because I didn't keep my word and made the dance team do their dance a few more times. Nothing bad happened when Johnny forgot to put his name on the paper again. But sometimes we make those promises without thinking. We don't stop and ask ourselves if it really is the last time. If it isn't, could something bad happen? If the drunk husband comes home and continues to scream and throw things at you, who's to say it couldn't escalate? Sadly, this same mentality is true for our case today. When our victim promised this was her last drug deal, that she was going to rehab, that she was going to change for her daughter, was it really the last? Did someone stop her from fulfilling the promise she'd made to her family that this was the last time? This is the story of Monique Michelle Figueroa. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast and to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Before I jump into today's show, Sleuth Hounds, I want to take just a second and thank one special listener for a message that she sent us. A lot of the time, like, and this is surprising, Allison, but I feel like a lot of our listeners are super surprised when we message back. 
I know. I've seen that. Yeah, I'll message people on Facebook and they're like, oh my gosh, you responded. Of course we did. It's because we love interacting with you guys. We love like, I guess, connecting faces and names to like the numbers that we see for listeners. Yes. And like, I know for me, I always hope that we will continue to stay in touch with the people that motivate us to be here each week. I agree. And while all your messages are special to us, last week I got a message that really impacted me. Um, You all know that Allison and I cover all these cold cases with the sole purpose of bringing light to forgotten cases in the hopes that we can work together to bring closure and justice to families. What we don't expect is the impact that we can have in your lives, Sleuth Hounds. We share a lot with you guys on this show. Probably too much sometimes, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We share the good in our lives, the bad in our lives, and the ugly in our lives. So to know that an experience I have had and shared about on Coffee and Cases helped a listener, that's just another amazing aspect of this show. Yes, we want families to find closure and we want, you know, justice to prevail, but Coffee and Cases has become a second family for Allison and I. Yes. This listener said in her message that she needed us each week and we need her and all of you too. Absolutely. You're the one, you're what keeps us going. Yes. Each week talking with you sleuth hounds on coffee and cases literally serves as an escape for Allison and for me. There's so many times that the task of researching and writing episodes can be overwhelming, but then to get like away from the bad and the ugly in the world for a few minutes with each other and our listeners makes it worthwhile. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know the cases that we cover obviously aren't good. They're bad and ugly, but like, it's an escape from my personal bad and ugly. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you're saying, Maggie is, is absolutely true because, you know, obviously we're not making millions of dollars on this show. And so our motivation is listener engagement. It is Mm -hmm. knowing that we can have an impact. And even if we're not getting a case solved, that we can connect with those out there who are listening on the other end of this kind of void as we're talking. We really mean it when we say we don't know what we would do without you guys. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so enough mushy talk, and let me get into this week's episode. You know I'm a fan of the mushy, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am, embrace the mush. Um, Allison, I feel like we have done so many, like without knowing, kind of similar episodes lately. Yeah. Um, because this week's episode is also like an a case from California, which was exactly like- where we were at last week. Yeah. Just like April Pitzer. Yeah. And similar to April's case, um, we have a case that involved drug deals, Mm. prison sentences, and gangs. Okay. So heavy stuff. Yes. And once you get to know the victim today, I think you guys are going to be really shocked at the detour her life took. So Monique or Mo, and that's what I'll refer to her throughout the case because that's what most of her friends and family called her mm-hmm. was just like she was really just like an all-around like super kid and I know we say that a lot but she really was like from what I read she seemed to be a tomboy she loved to ride dirt bikes um something that I thought was like wow like a wow because I've never done this in school or anywhere else but she actually earned a perfect attendance award for Sunday church service attendance. Oh, that is good. I know. Um, She was a great student. She lettered in high school because she managed the school's wrestling team and the school's baseball team. Okay. So super involved. Yeah, she was super involved um, just in her community and just kind of all around. As she grew older, she was known for dating guys that drove monster trucks, which kind of... oh pointed me into the like she's a little bit of a tomboy yeah 
Um, she was tiny though. She was about five three. She only weighed about hundred and forty pounds. How'd she um, get into she... these monster trucks? You know, I didn't read anywhere where they <laughs> did not have to explain that at five three. I don't know if maybe she didn't get into them. Maybe she just liked watching them. Oh, maybe so. <laughs> but she was half Hispanic, and she had brown hair and these big hazel eyes, and she was like the definition of pretty. Yeah. Many in her inner circle were surprised when she began dating and then partying with a guy named David. Uh, yeah, because this is a girl who won Perfect Attendance Sunday School Service Awards. So, hmm. She had, and I think I talk about it later on. So, she had like a high school sweetheart that okay. she was head over heels in love with. Like, they were supposed to get married. They had like their whole life planned out. And... I couldn't find how, but he died before they oh. could like get married and make all these dreams come true. Mm-hmm. That had to have been traumatic. Yes. And I think like, I don't think that David was like a rebound for her, but mm-hmm. I think David was kind of like, like I've always read that you have like three loves in your life, like your first love, and then, like, the person you love that kind of teaches you about who you actually want to love. And then, like, oh. the third person is, like, the person that you're meant to be with. I've never heard that, but I like it. Yeah. So, I'm thinking that maybe, like, her this high school sweetheart. supposed to teach her. Yeah. Was supposed to kind of teach her who she wanted to be with. hmm And she, from everything I read, really did love David. And I think that he also loved her. She ended up giving birth at age 26 to a daughter. I don't believe that this was David's daughter. Like I never read anywhere that it was his kid. Okay. So she could have been pregnant before she met David. Yeah. She, I think that's what it was that she was pregnant, had the baby. Then she met David. Okay. So she, and I love this was described as someone who could see the good in anyone. So it's like you, Maggie. Oh, thank you, Allison. You're welcome. It's true. Well, thank you. I read, though, that, like, if Mo were to just meet you on the street, like, it didn't matter if you were a good person or a terrible person, she would find the good in you and love you for the good in you. That's sweet. I like that. And I think that's like, speaks volumes to her character. It takes mm-hmm. a really special person to look past other people's flaws and love them for the good in their heart, especially when some people have so little good in them. And, you know, as teachers, most teachers tend to have something of Mm -hmm. that characteristic because I'm telling you, Maggie, how many times have you and I given people like the 50th chance? Yes. Right? (laughs) So, and you, you know, when you're looking at like your students, there's no part of you that can be like oh well I'm gonna put more effort into this kid or that kid like all of them get the same effort yeah and I feel like every day look no matter how horrible Johnny is in class on Monday on Tuesday you come in with a clean slate with Johnny like nothing happened yeah I think that takes like a special type of person Mm -hmm. and so Mo was like that she was like that and a lot of people were surprised with how easily Mo seemed to fall in love with David. Like that's kind of what I gathered from the stuff that I read Mm. because he was a little rough around the edges, but Mm -hmm. she fell in love with the good part of him. Okay. And like for her, it felt like David was her safe place and he was like almost a sense of empowerment. Like he empowered her and she felt confident with him like she could take on the world so from the way you're talking it sounds like David while she saw the good she was one of the only ones yeah I think maybe like his family and like the people in his inner circle Mm -hmm. but I think from the outside he Mm would have been kind of rough looking and he would have had like a reputation okay but sadly the path that mo would find herself on was not the path 
that her closest friends and family would have imagined for her. With this new sense of security and empowerment, Mo began both dealing drugs and using meth. Oh, no. Yeah, and actually in one article I read, she's quoted as telling a friend only one month after giving birth to her daughter. This friend said, she told me, quote, I can't believe that no one else knew except you. A month after I had my daughter, I was tweaking. How do you guys think I lost all that weight? End quote. I'm guessing tweaking means doing meth? Yeah, I think so. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And her life began to spiral more and more out of control. She promised her family that she was going to stop. She had plans to stop stop using crystal meth and check herself into rehab. She had plans that um, like this drug deal that we're going to talk about in a second was the last like run that she was going to go on. She felt she owed it to the daughter that she loved more than anything to be a better role model for her. Like, I think she had realized like, this is not who I am. Like I need to do better. I'm glad that she made that realization. I'm sad that she had to go through what it sounds like she's going through to make the realization. But I'm glad that she's finally able to see it. Yeah. And I'm like you said, like she sees the good in everyone else. And I'm glad that she was able to start seeing the good in herself again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm piecing like bits of a puzzle together because she had a lot of articles on her, but like, They were kind of confusing. So I'm trying to like piece together timelines and puzzles for you guys as we go. But it appears that on May 19th, 2015, Mo was planning to visit friends in Florence, a section of Los Angeles, and do her last drug run. And according to the Charlie Project, Mo planned to end her drug involvement in her rehabilitation program that her dad had already like paid for. She was signed up for. She had planned after that to move out of state with her daughter and enroll in college. So was this last, and you might not have ever read this anywhere, but was this last drug run, was it like whoever she's dealing the drugs for? It's kind of like, um, like given a two week notice kind of thing. Like, Hey, I'm getting out of this, but I'll still do this one thing for you. Like, I'm wondering why she didn't just like, quit completely like why she felt the need i'm thinking this was like already planned because she delivered twenty thousand dollars in cash to a drug associate in that final deal so i think like she already had this and like she had to do this but then after that she wasn't taking any more jobs twenty thousand dollars i'm like in my head i was thinking like I, I don't know how much money, you know, switches hands in a normal drug deal, but I'm guessing it's not $20,000 worth. Yeah, like, there's a lot of big money exchanges in Mo's story. Oh. Well, in her, I guess, in her, the lot, in her life, there were mm-hmm. several exchanges of a lot more money than I see in one sitting ever. Right. So she pulled out of her driveway at 4 a.m. And sadly, that day, she would never 
be able to go down the course that she had picked out. She would never check into the rehab facility. She would never start her life over again. In an article published on the Daily News, it appears that the day after Mo left on her way to Los Angeles, her father said that he got a text message from her that read, quote, had to leave, be home soon, but she never made it home. So she goes to this drug deal on the 19th. He gets a text message from her on the 20th that says, like, I had to leave, I'll be back, but she never comes back. So do we think whatever happened to her happened on the 19th or the 20th? I I guess the 20th. Like, I'm guessing we're assuming that that text actually came from her. We do not think that that text actually came from her. Okay. Yeah, we think that was from someone else. Okay. It it actually wasn't until her abandoned Mercedes Benz was found on May 30th off a road, like, in a neighborhood that was only 11, no, not 11, seven miles away from her home that authorities finally issued a missing persons bulletin. Wow. So we're talking like 10 days after the last air quote. I'm using air quotes in every episode now, just (laughs) (laughs) FYI. Just Um, so you guys know. Yeah. Just so you know. After the the last air quote text message sent. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a text message, but not that but that she didn't send. Yeah, so her car is found like 10 days later. It's only seven miles away from her house. And it appears that she was actually, like we have assumed, that she was ran off the road. Like that's the condition that her car was in. Like it had big scratches down the side. Yeah. Wow. So clearly somebody else has been involved in whatever happened. Yeah, so at this point, like, we're kind of thinking she's missing or abducted because we okay. can tell she's been ran off the road. Right. But who would want to murder her and why? So like, who is it and why would they want to murder her? Because like, she's just a young mom. She's kind of involved in maybe something she really shouldn't be, but like I didn't read anywhere where she had like prior drug arrest, like arrests right. related to drugs or like a speeding ticket or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Cause but I'm thinking, like- I mean, even if you're dealing drugs, if you give the person the drugs that they want and then you give the person who you owe the money to the money to them, I wouldn't think that anybody would necessarily be angry in the transaction, like angry enough to murder Yeah, and I talk about this, like, later in the episode, but I think Mo's problem came because she had her hand in too many fires. Oh. So, I feel like it's important to talk about some of, like, her past run-ins with gangs and, like, some involvement with law enforcement to kind of piece together who these people in her inner circle might be or who we could possibly think would have done something to her. Okay. Investigators believe that they know who's responsible for her disappearance and her death. I didn't read where they ever actually named someone in the articles that I read. They have now switched this from like she was just abducted to it's now a homicide. We just don't have a body. Oh, so... They think that she has been murdered. Yeah. So, like, at first, they're just looking for a missing person. But then, as time goes on, and I don't really think it took them that much time. I didn't read when they were like, okay, she's dead. But Mm -hmm. that's the classification now is this is a homicide. I would think that would be hard to, like, make that switch from missing person to homicide if you don't have a body. Like, I wonder what kind of details they would have to have. You know, because that's well, kind of hard to have, prove. Yeah, I think they have more than what we're reading about from the car. Okay, so maybe it's one of those things where they're just not releasing details because only the people responsible would know them. Yeah, and investigators have said that putting together, like, a solid case is going to be hard. Because this case specific case is complicated 
it's hard because this is a small community. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about last week, this community, I mean, like, yeah, there's law enforcement there, but really like the enforcement of this community are different gangs. So there's a deep rooted distrust in police. So people are kind of leery of speaking to authorities. And then they also have like the, like, thought in the back of their mind like I can't say anything because like while I might be saying it to the police like I know that such and such gang would come after my family if I speak on this right there's a lot of threats that happen in this case and I think that's kind of why police are saying that it's going to be super hard to actually pin down a like concrete like investig like to get all that concrete information that they would need for like a trial. Mm -hmm. So there's an extremely long and detailed article called love drove this mom to selling meth and then death. And it has kind of an insider's view of Mo's drug running activities. So this person in this article is like literally called a named source. And they're like, well, yeah, I guess you wouldn't want to, you know, give your name and you're giving away. Right, like they're quoted throughout this article a lot, and it's literally just like unnamed source because, again, nobody's going to say your name when you're. Well, I'm glad you found this because, you know, you mentioned that she's running drugs, but I honestly have no idea what that means. So, according to this unnamed source in this article, Mo, and I think that this is what it means by running drugs, right? She would buy meth from one of her gang connections and then she would turn around and sell it to people in another gang and that's kind of like for a profit right so she was like i guess buying this is a very poor comparison but buying like wholesale yeah then yeah selling it selling it so that yeah selling it retail got it so she was playing both sides and the unnamed source actually said she was playing two different cards. Um, and that kind of, I think, crept up on Mo in a way that she wouldn't have expected. So do they mean like she's pretending like she has each side's best interest? Well, I think it was she was buying from gang A and then selling to gang B and something happened that's like the roles kind of switched and then she's buying from gang B and selling it to gang A. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of how I took it. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from a very like naive perspective of what it means. Right. Right. But soon threats began pouring in on Mo. Right. So Mm. it's not only threats to her, but it's threats to her daughter as well. Oh, no. Yeah, that's bad. She, Yeah, she became terrified. So her boyfriend, David, is connected with a gang. So she has like, and I'll talk about this later on, that's where her allegiance lies is with his gang. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she's dating. She's with him. Yeah. Yeah, she's with him. So from... Again, my totally, I don't know, perspective. I'm assuming these threats were coming in from, like, rival gangs. Okay. I mean, that would make sense. Right. I think that she had maybe angered in some way. Um, These threats are, in my opinion, I think what pushed her to realize that she needed, like, to re-examine her life. Like, re-examine her life. Mm -hmm. And get out of the game. Yeah. I don't think that she ever, though, intended on leaving David. And in an interview that I read with David's mom, she talks about she thinks they both realized that things in their life needed to change. But I think David was just too far in for that to be a reality for him. Mm. So, like... Mo's family and friends deleted all of her daughter's pictures off social media. That was smart. 
they don't mention her online. Her daughter was forbidden to play outside her fenced-in backyard. And even when she was in the yard playing, she was supervised at all times. Like, this is how serious the threat. these threats were. Yeah. Wow. That is super scary. So the family took every precaution with Mo's daughter, but sadly, Mo was unable to remain hidden inside her house. She's a grown woman, so she has things to do and places, you know, right. to go. Yeah, she can't stay inside the same way they could keep her daughter inside. Right, and many believe that her disappearance was a threat made in made into reality. Mm. Who could have like seemingly abducted this young mother just as she was about to turn her life around, right? Like who could this have been? We know she's running drugs. We know that her boyfriend is involved in a gang, but like where are we placing the blame on this? Right. So I'm guessing boyfriend ruled out because they well, always say go to the closest the person who's the closest so in my opinion well two things yes boyfriend is ruled out for actually doing it because boyfriend was in jail at the time that she's she disappears okay so yeah i mean if he's in jail then he's not physically right, he able. he's in jail Right. There are some people, like, in her family that believe that he knows who did it. Or, you know, mm. maybe he somehow could have orchestrated it from behind bars. I do not do not believe that. Um, and I want to tell you why I don't believe that as we talk about her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, because you said earlier that... She saw him as, like, the person who kept her safe. Yeah, so she told people that David was her protector. Like, you know, everything to her. Mm hmm And despite what you're about to learn about him, I really do think that he was her protector and that he did love her. So we now know that David is responsible for at least three murders. One happened oh. about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's I wasn't, that. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting bad. Hmm. Yeah. So when I read that he was in jail, I was kind of expecting it to just be, you know, like he was found with drugs in his possession. But right. that's not his case. About two years from what I've gathered before Moe's disappearance, apparently David and this other man um, were fighting in the street. From what I read, like David comes out of the house. There's this man in the street. They start exchanging words. Um, it turns physical and David actually pulls a gun on the other man. He fired his gun and actually shot the man through the throat. Mm. And then... From the autopsy report, shot him again in the back. Oh. So, oh. there's that. Okay. But um, you don't he think he's guilty? No, I mean, you I don't, don't think he's guilty about Mo? Right. No, I think he definitely killed this guy, but I don't think that he killed Mo or had anything to do with her disappearance. Um. He actually didn't turn himself in, but police knew that it was him. He left, like, his eyeglasses were at the scene of the crime. His DNA was everywhere. Um, so they had enough to lock him away. And they eventually found and arrested him. And he did plead guilty to that murder and was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. But the crazy thing is, while police were searching for him in relation to this man's murder, his name actually was connected to a double homicide. So, David and another gang member, so one of his friends, were involved in a robbery that went bad. According to police reports and to the website The Daily Beast, this pair plus another unnamed assailant, and I never found this person's name, okay. arrived at, like, another individual's home, and they were, you know, in the garage, and it appeared that... This was a drug exchange that didn't go down the way that it should have because David and the other two allegedly gagged 
the homeowner and the other person with him and then fatally shot them both. So I also read that there may have been a third victim who was like able to get away and was like driving away with like bloody wounds. Although I don't know if this person came forward as a witness, but I Mm -hmm. do know that David is now in jail in connection to these three murders. And I guess what it does tell me. Okay. So I know we've said before, like if you've committed a murder, then I'm more likely to believe that you could commit another. Mm-hmm. But from the sounds of it, if in the first instance, you know, he leaves physical evidence behind that mm-hmm. shows it's him. And in the second instance, there's a potential witness who is leaving and mm-hmm. knows what happened mm-hmm. that to then go from those two cases to a case where there's literally nothing and no evidence seems a bit of a leap. Yeah. Because I feel like the two cases, the two homicide cases have been like, like spur of the moment, like emotional things. Like you're in a argument and you pull your weapon you're maybe exchanging drugs with a rival gang and something happens and it goes something goes wrong like I don't think I mean people died either way but like like you said I think it's different than like you're running someone off the road and you're kidnapping them and you know it's yeah. just like it's, it's different and both of those involved yeah both of those involved guns Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It's a different crime. Yes. And according to the Daily Beast, Mo and David actually kind of lived like fugitives for a little while after the robbery. Um, they were like kind of on the run. And then they were finally spotted hiding out in a tent in like a home, like in the yard of a home owned by one of David's relatives. They were actually both arrested at this point. David was arrested in connection to those three homicides. And then police actually arrested Mo because they found her to be in possession of meth. And her dad paid bail and she was released. Oh, and so that happened right before what was supposed to be her last run and she was out. But David's still in jail? Yeah, this is in March that they arrested and then she, her incident was in May. Okay. And David is still, from what I've read, in jail. Okay. So the police obviously did not need Mo to be like an informant for them. They already had enough evidence to lock David away for both of those or all three of those murders. But they did think that she would cooperate with them, but they were like dead wrong. Mm. She was not cooperative. She refused to tell police anything about David or any of the members of, of the gang that he was in. Like, she had... So she's fiercely loyal. Yes, she is fiercely loyal to his gang. And she actually told several of her friends, like, she knows that the people in this gang have her back if anyone ever tries to hurt her. Because, like, I know that this may sound really weird or strange to people that have never been exposed to gangs, but they are... You know, they, in a sense, fill a void of those that don't have family. So they become Mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. So she knew that the people in that family would protect her. Right. And this is what makes me believe that David was not involved in her disappearance. Because when he was told, so remember, he's in jail and he's like 30 some years old, right? Mm -hmm. And a gang member. So he's used to bad things happening yeah and he is in jail because he killed in connection to killing three people right Mm -hmm. so when they tell him investigators come to him and say that she has disappeared and she is believed to be dead in the articles that i read every one of them said that he broke down in uncontrollable sobs in jail wow yeah so here's this guy who like has to always look tough and he's willing to show his vulnerability. Yeah. 
and in a place you wouldn't ever want to show how vulnerable you are that's true good point like you're taken advantage of if you were considered weak Mm -hmm. and i read that he promised police that he would do whatever he had to do to help them find out who was responsible for killing mo he would cooperate in any way so he's like devastated yes i will cooperate with you like i'll do whatever Mm -hmm. to figure out what happened to her but when police come back a second time he actually recants that statement and his mom told reporters that she knows that he loved mo but -hmm. that he actually received a letter in prison that had photographs of his daughters and her in it with threats against their lives in this letter. And then that's when he was like, you know, like I love Mo, you know, but at, but at the end of the day, these are my kids. So like, I'm not, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Oh my gosh. What a horrible decision to have to make either way. Yeah. And I'm like, I read, mom said you know this is something that he still talks to like talks about is that he wishes that he could bring justice like help bring justice to her but that he just can't right and so honestly in my heart i don't think that it's david i also don't think that his gang had anything to do with mo's disappearance Mm -hmm. you know i could be missing something but from that one article alone where it talked about him sobbing when he found out like right you have to be a really skilled manipulatist to be able to cry like that like I just don't think you can pretend that way agreed like and like Mo I want to see the good in David because most of us that are listening I'm assuming have been very blessed to grow up in areas of the United States or elsewhere where gang activity isn't really prevalent But a lot of people can't say the same thing. And I've recently watched a documentary on another girl that was murdered in California in a very similar situation. And several former gang members were interviewed in this documentary. And for many of them, like I said, like this just fills, it fills a void that they have from like broken homes, parents that weren't there for them. And like, I honestly don't believe that just because you're in a gang that like, immediately makes you a bad person oh yeah I don't either I mean I I literally grew up three minutes away from a motorcycle club Mm -hmm. which essentially you could say is like that right like it's a group of people that are there for each other I don't know that they they kill people but you know from the outside I think they would have similar reputations as to the people we've talked about today but most of them right. are actually super amazing people. Like when we lost power um, for 11 days when I was in college one winter, like they fed the people in my neighborhood, like cooked dinner. We could go there if we needed somewhere warm to stay. Wow. Like, I think, you know, I choose to see the good in them, just like mm-hmm. Mo chose to see the good in David. So I'm exactly. choosing to see the good in David. Yes. So then my brain goes to, could it have been a rival gang responsible for what happened to Mo? And most of me feels like this is probably what happened to her. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that she was selling meth to different gangs. She had her hand in several different fires. Could she have gotten caught up in this gang rivalry? Could her disappearance perhaps be a punishment for David? Like, did he make someone mad? But because he's in jail, like they went to the next person closest to him. Right? They threatened his family. That could be. Yeah. So could this be a message to him? Um, In another article that I read, Mo's father was interviewed in that article, and he says he believes that some of those gang acquaintances feared that Mo would be a witness against them, and that's why she was kind of, I guess, quote-unquote, dealt with. So this is a lot like the April Pitzer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So another possibility could just be that Mo just ran away. Right, like we already know she'd been talking about leaving, kind of starting a new life, but like I don't think that's the case. No. She had long term plans. 
Exactly. And the whole reason she's doing all of this is to make a better life for her daughter. So Yeah, so why would she leave mm -mm. and not take her kid? Yeah, I'm not buying that. Like, yeah, she was going to rehab. That Her spot was already paid for. She was going to college. She was moving away. And like you said, why would you run away if there's already a plan set out to start over and you leave behind the person you're doing all this for? Right. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Investigators actually question people that had contact with Mo. They check her cell phone records. They check her bank records for clues. There's no trail of cell phone calls or credit card usage following her disappearance. Um, um, homicide detectives received a tip in 2016 that Moe's remains may be buried off a highway. The detectives searched this highway with cadaver dogs. The coroner comes and they found absolutely nothing. Something I did think was weird. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see anywhere where there was, like, a specific time that was given. So, like, I don't know if this was weeks after, days after, years after. Okay. But a friend actually received a call from Mo's telephone number. Oh, gosh. So, that would be creepy, too, if that happened. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's days or weeks or years. Yeah. So, like, okay, obviously not to this extent. I've never had a murdered person's telephone number show up on my phone mm -hmm. but one of my best friends her mom um passed away and obviously like I had her mom's phone number saved in my mm -hmm. telephone right mm -hmm. and so one day I get a phone call from her like the number shows up on my phone <gasps> like with it was literally like her name in parentheses, blah, blah, blah's mom. Oh my gosh. Instant chills. Yeah. And like, I immediately got sick to my stomach. Yeah. But when I answered it, like it was my cousin and she had gotten a new phone number <gasps> and that was the phone number they had given her. Wow. And so. That's crazy. Could that have happened? Like. I mean, possibly. I just feel like that's so rare though. Right. Like, I've never heard of that happening to anybody else. I just think that's really weird. So could she still be alive? Or do we think just someone's being super cruel mm. and calling from the number? Um, her dad, according to AV Times, actually, like, learned, you know, that someone had been using her phone. The friend tried to call back the user, but there was no response. And for some reason, her dad wasn't able to relay this information to detectives until, like, this happened on, like, a weekend until uh -huh. that Monday. Uh -huh. And so about that time, the investigator said it was too late to track the phone and that it appeared the phone had been shut off by the user. See, I don't, I don't see how it can be too late to track it. Yeah. And her dad actually says that he kind of thinks, investigators didn't do a very good job yeah kind of dropped the ball investigating. Mm -hmm. most friends believe like most that she's now deceased one unnamed interviewer told police that they and mo had a code word that they shared so oh. i think this is like really brilliant so uh -huh. i think mo was smart enough to realize that she wasn't always in the safest situations right uh -huh. and so they had this code word that if she had to hide out for a couple days, she would text that word to her friend. And then the oh. friend would be like, oh, we don't need to alert the police. Like, That's super smart. You know, I She's know. safe. She just. Right. Yeah. She just can't be here right now. Yeah. And, you know, she never sent that code word. And this informant said, quote, we had a rule and I told her, I will freak out about you if I don't hear from you in 24 hours. She would message me it, meaning the code word. And I would tell myself, okay, cool. She's going to be away for like 24 hours. Except on May 19th, the source said she didn't send me any text messages. Oh, so then they know it's not... Yeah, she didn't go into hiding. Right. And she didn't send a text. Right. And to this day, we still have no idea where Mo is or what truly happened to her. Wow. Yeah, this is... Now I know why you said the case is so complicated. Because there's not... 
there's an assumption of what happened, but there's not a lot of evidence to yeah, back and like, up. This case was kind of hard for me to write because like I didn't really know how to put it all together so that it would make sense, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I would write a paragraph and then delete it. So hopefully sleuth hounds, you guys were able to follow along. <laughs> <laughs> Most father has not given up. He's determined to find out what happened to her. So many times we promised the last time, but we don't really mean it. But I really think Mo did. When she promised her father that she would go to rehab and get her life straightened out, I really think she meant it. I wish that Mo had gotten to see life past her last time. I wish that she'd gotten to live life with her daughter and been loved like she loved others. She saw the good in everyone, and the world needs more people like that. People that can look past a reputation and past flaws to see the very best in every person. Anyone with information about her disappearance is asked to call the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department at 323-890-5500. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next next week. into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.